0: Thank you for joining us here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. The Recovery Executive Podcast is the only podcast geared towards addiction treatment behavioral health center owners, executives, and directors. It's brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in strategic marketing and growth for the addiction treatment and behavioral health space. Here on the Recovery Executive Podcast, we talk about a host of issues related to center growth, center admissions, center operations, basically anything and everything that we can do to bring you the experts and the information you need to have a great practice that helps people and that allows you to grow and help more people. So today we have David Houck. David Hauk is from Austin Recovery, and he is a specialist in community outreach, particularly in running CEU events. So... We also do a lot of consulting for our clients around organizing CEU events, marketing for CEU events. It's a big question a lot of people have, so I'm excited to have David on and have you sh- or have him share his years of expertise on the subject. He will basically give you a step-by-step walkthrough of what you need to do to start running CEU events in your center. And the reason I love them and often recommend clients to start with them is. It doesn't take a lot of organization. They're fairly easy to set up. It does not take a lot of time. It definitely does not take a lot of money. They're fairly cheap um, comparatively to a lot of other different outreach efforts, especially for local campaigns. They're just fantastic in bringing in referrals, building relationships with people, showcasing your expertise, and getting them into the center. So with that, let's listen to David, see what he has to say, and I hope you guys have a lot that you can learn from this one hey david i really appreciate you coming on the show today how are you doing
1: i'm doing well thank you for the invitation
0: yeah absolutely so can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do
1: well um i'm a director of programs for austin recovery we're a nonprofit program in austin texas i have been doing treatment since 1991 had my lcdc first and then went back to school and got my master's in social work and um have been doing treatment um since then it was 28 years now
0: a long time, time flies
1: yeah it does right. um also um uh, married um 21 years now and we have four kids and three grandkids now
0: okay and how long have you been with your current center
1: I've been with Austin Recovery for just a little over two years. However, I am an alumni of Austin Recovery. Okay. I got sober here in 1989.
0: All right, all right. And then you may have listened or saw the other podcast we had John Cates on a while back with uh, alternative peer groups. I'm just curious. You know, do you do anything with those since you're in Texas?
1: Yes, um, there is relatively new legislation that's allowing us to bill Medicaid for the Peer Recovery Coaching. Hmm. Um, They're still working out the specific um, rules for that, but um, we're gearing up to provide that service. Um, In the meantime, we work with another organization called Communities for Recovery that already has Peer Recovery Coaches in place and try to hook up all of our discharging clients with a good coach.
0: Okay, all right, very interesting. All right, so today we're talking about CEU events. continuing education units and i know a lot of people are interested in these uh particularly because one obviously it's good for your staff but it's also a good way to bring in people um, and help them learn about your program and provide value as you do so so you've got quite a bit of experience running these and organizing these is that correct
1: yes that's correct i've I've been doing this um, for a long time Um, i've done statewide and national conferences and Consistently put on CEU events at the facility, or even doing marketing. Um, it's nice to be able to go into another program or to a physician's office and not just talk about your program, but offer them CEUs in the process.
0: Right. So obviously, you just mentioned there's a little bit of a marketing aspect there. What are other reasons that you have for holding CEU events?
1: One is a incentive for employees if they can do their cus free here within the facility it saves them the money of going out and paying for an online class or going to a conference so it saves time away from the office it um most counselors see that as a a benefit you know because it directly saves them money Um, also it can be a training opportunity because we want all of our staff on the same page so those CEUs can be an opportunity to just say, you know, this is how Austin Recovery does treatment.
0: Okay, perfect. So what are some examples of CEU events that you might run?
1: Well, ethics is always um, a valued thing because almost every license requires at least three hours of ethics annually. Um, So we'll do an ethics class. Um, We do here a class every second Saturday. and for that one, we invite outside speakers in to help with those. It's not just the internal staff. And that always uh, gives those people a chance to do a little marketing of their program and helps us bring in fresh perspectives on how treatment works. Hmm. And
0: I'm sure everyone listening knows this, but you know, the, beauty of CEU events is like you just mentioned, you have to have them. <laughs> so true, people true. have there's to there's no way that around right. that. Right. You know, yep. they're gonna pay mm-hmm. for it anyway. So if you're gonna offer it for free, it's a great way to bring people in. Um, especially other therapists, LCSWs, other treatment centers, you know, anyone that has a vested interest in addiction treatment and even mental health is just great to have and, you know, offer these CEU events. So, you know, we have a couple of client centers that say, well, how do we do this? You know, how do we set up these CU events? It sounds like a great idea. So what's kind of the process for getting these set up and running?
1: Well, the first thing is to make sure that you have um, the proper certification through your state to provide those. And um, each license and um, each state has a little different um, requirements. You can get national certifications so that... um, you can offer credits that should be universally accepted, but it it helps to have your state's specific requirements so that those getting a license locally won't have any problems with their state board.
0: Okay. So if I want to go and get licensed to run CU events, like what do I need? Where do I go? How much does it cost?
1: Um, it's not very expensive actually. And, uh, probably just more time consuming and paperwork than anything else. Um, for example, the, uh, social work board, there is a simple two page application and it's about $25 to file it. And then once you file, there's a fee to keep track of the hours. Um, so that let's say someone loses their certificate, um, they can go to the board and say, could you please verify this for me? Um, the nursing boards tend to be the most uh, strenuous in getting their CUs approved because you have to have appropriate staff. Um, with like the chemical dependency counselors, it's pretty universal. Anybody who's licensed or certified in chemical dependency can provide those CUs. But with um, physicians for CMEs or nurses, you have to have a properly licensed healthcare provider. In order to qualify.
0: Okay, so if I wanted to run a CEU event for other addiction counselors, I would just need you know a certification of some kind, and then I would go and get registered for also this additional certification to provide CEUs. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Um, but there's no paperwork. I mean, there's no you know uh, testing. It's not a certification process that's requires you to take a class in order to do that. You simply submit your credentials, resume, and the fee, and um, you're good to go.
0: Okay. So I submit my credentials, resume, the fee, that gets approved. How long does the process take generally to get approved?
1: Um, It depends on the state that you're in um, and their particular licensing body. Um, I've seen it take as much as six weeks or as little as one week depending on the agency that's actually certifying you Um, and with every class that you're teaching you need to have a specific outline for the class with the goals what the students are going to be learning during that time and you keep things like the PowerPoint that's used for the class Um, and also there's always a satisfaction survey of you know How was the class? Did you learn what you thought you would? That kind of stuff.
0: Hmm. So I know in Florida, you actually have to submit that plan and have it approved. Uh, Is that common? Is that similar in Texas or other states?
1: That's common. Um, However, if you already have your certification to provide CEUs, you don't have to have it pre-approved. You just have to have that stuff on file.
0: Oh, interesting, okay. All right. So just kind of from the operation standpoint, then I would have to have our plan, our PowerPoint, any handouts, and then those are required, usually some kind of satisfaction survey or participant survey based on quality. Now for, at least for Texas, you're saying that all of it just stays on file and then you provide if requested. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really what we're saying here is this is super easy, right? It's not expensive you have staff that are able to go and get these qualifications or get these certifications, whatever you want to say, and then you can just start delivering CEUs. Is there anything that we should be aware of that might make it a little bit difficult or snakes to watch out for?
1: Um, I have not found anything that's um, really difficult in the process. Um, I've done this with, um, Six different treatment centers, and I'm not sure how many different um, providers. Um, it's just a matter of having your ducks in a row and a good filing system. Um, usually, there's somebody in the organization that is, you know, your go-to person for licensure, or certification. Say, whoever does your CARF affiliation, or mm-hmm. sometimes even HR staff can be the ones that are the point and making sure things get certified correctly.
0: Okay. And then is there a renewal at all?
1: Um, each state is a little bit different on that. Um, sometimes there's a renewal, um, other times it's just a matter of maintaining. Um, so you would have to, again, go to your state board to be specific on that.
0: Okay. And to clarify, mm-hmm. this is a person or a per person certification, correct? You couldn't get one for your center, for example.
1: Oh, no, I'm sorry. You can do one for the center.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in Texas, we have a certification to supervise interns, and then there's also a CU certification that we have for the Department of State Health that allows us to do LPC um, certification, LCDC, the License for Chemical Dependency, hmm. and the Social Work. There's three separate certifications for those.
0: Okay, and you have to apply for each one of those separately, right?
1: Yes, Yeah. because each one, I mean, unless you're in a state that's a little bit more advanced where different state agencies actually communicate with each other, which is a rare thing, <laughs> that um, each agency has to approve it separately. Okay. And you can do the same with the nursing board and with the physicians board. Um, I have to throw this one in there. My favorite example of CUs, a friend of mine started teaching with a physician that she knew. And for them, if you had just an hour of CUs in the morning, you could, make the trip that you took a tax write-off so they would go to the Caymans or Cozumel and they'd do an hour or two of CU's in the morning and then spend the rest of the day diving or parasailing or whatever mm-hmm. else and right. you know that was like this is the CU class yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah oh, that's great uh, I love my tax write-offs
1: <laughs> yeah it's an important thing it right. is an important thing
0: yeah <laughs> Oh, okay so then for like lcsw's or therapists would it be a bit more involved you need someone at that level of qualifications who be able to provide those ceu trainings
1: yes it always helps to have someone with the degree recognized by the agency providing the ceu so if you're providing for nurses then you need a nurse available um, for social workers a social worker however one thing to consider is it also depends on the topic of the class. So that if you're providing CU classes for MSWs, but the class topic is detoxification or medically involved, then it would be appropriate to have a nurse actually present the topic.
0: Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So... Mm -hmm. From that same regard, let's say I wanted to do um, ethics, for example, you know, could I have a substance abuse counselor run an ethics CEU event and still invite nurses, for example? Or would I still need a nurse? Absolutely. Event? You could.
1: No, no, you could still do de- um, the chemical dependency counselor or social worker could still provide the ethics, um, in part, because ethics is more universal, right. as long as it included some details of the nursing board's code of ethics.
0: Got it. Okay. And then also I like to give a reminder out there, you know, even if you don't have someone necessarily qualified to run a training, you can always bring someone in, you know, I mean, just pay them a small fee and have them present. And it's still a great way to invite other people into
1: your center. Absolutely. Um, We can even do it on a volunteer basis. Um, The classes that we do once a month on Saturday, um, we have local experts and local professionals come in it's a benefit for them because they get to market their practice and it's a benefit for us because it brings in other people to the center
0: right right Mm -hmm. yeah in that regard you know what kind of relationships have you seen built or you know what kind of referrals have you seen come from running these cu events on a regular basis
1: um it's been very uh beneficial um one I did was for a physician's practice. It was a rather large practice in San Antonio, and we had gotten a single referral from them prior to this. And from talking with the physician that sent that one client, he was saying, well, the rest of the people in my office don't really understand this. So we did some basics um, diagnostic of addiction and how to refer and in that same month, we got three referrals from that one practice.
0: Nice. Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, what I always tell people, right, is your, your business, your center, your marketing outreach, it's all about trust. And so if you can bring people into your center and then show them that you are experts in a particular area, that builds a lot of trust and people are going to be very willing to refer to you. Whereas if they don't know you, if they haven't seen your center, you know, they're much less willing to do so.
1: That's true. That's true. A lot of it is about relationships and, you know, the CU's, it doesn't have to be an elaborate process. You can, you know, have some donuts and coffee there and people are happy.
0: Right. Exactly. And you should, you should definitely bring the food because people will come for the Absolutely. Food, food always <laughs> helps.
1: Right.
0: So what kind of groups of people do you hold CU events for? So you said physicians, nurses, therapists, are there any other specific groups that you regularly hold them for?
1: Well, I've done CUs for um, teachers. Sometimes, you know, the school district may want some more information about how to recognize it in their students. Um, recently, we did one for Ernst, Ernst, and Young. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I didn't pronounce that the best way, but um, as part of their regular human resources classes they wanted to do something about the stigma related to alcohol and drugs mm. so it was something beneficial for their staff as well um i've done the strictly for chemical dependency counselors for social workers um we've done some for the Stephen ministries at the episcopal church okay. because they wanted more information about it
0: and so then like for the lawyers, for example, again, you don't have to be a lawyer to deliver those, but what you do is you go and you research their um, requirements for their CEU events, incorporate that into your training, and then that's all you usually need, right?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: Okay, all right.
1: And so, the, the attorneys, for example, they do need regular um, continuing education, and especially if you have a group of defense attorneys who have DWI for DUI clients, then they'll know where to refer them when they get in trouble.
0: Yep, exactly. Okay. So you've got these events set up, um, you know, what are things that you make sure is kind of prepared before everyone comes? So obviously you've got your lesson plan prepared, you've got handouts, your participant survey, food. Um, Is there anything else that you want to make sure is in order before you kind of hold the event?
1: Well, you want to make sure your technology is working correctly. (laughs) Um, There's nothing worse than getting right into a PowerPoint and having it fail at the beginning of the class Um, that that well, it looks unprofessional, but it also can complicate things. So making sure your technology having a backup, you know, um, if you're on the cloud, then make sure you have, uh, you know, hard drive of some kind um, that will back up the presentation. Um, that's, you the kind of problems that happen.
0: Okay. What would you say is a good number of people for a standard CU event?
1: It depends. I've done them for as few as five or six or as many as 200. Okay. And um, it depends on the venue really more than anything else.
0: All right. So, oh, that's right. Because you do them offsite as well as on uh, Yes. center's mm-hmm. location.
1: Okay. Yeah. When we're doing them in-house, um, like the Saturday one, it's not unusual to have 30, 25 people that attend, and that's a good turnout.
0: Okay. So, you know, 25 people attending, what do you do to ensure attendance? Or maybe, maybe your community outreach and marketing team helps with that.
1: The media outreach and marketing uh, does most of that, actually. Um, there's two things that we do. We post it on Facebook. Um, And then our standard media outlets, LinkedIn, that kind of stuff, um, will send out invitations. We also use our constant contact mailing list that we use for many other things to notify other professionals, you know, this opportunity is coming up. Um, It's posted on our website. And we put some flyers out.
0: Okay, so you guys do quite a bit of outreach in different areas. That's good.
1: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, these days it's
0: all about being in lots of places, not just one, right?
1: <laughs> it is. And if you're doing it um, with a conference, let's say there's um, a Texas State Addiction Conference coming up in August here, and you can spend a small amount and be, you know, have your center featured in the um, conference program or on the conference website. And um, one thing that we've done with that is if you have your physician or director go to the statewide conference, um, it's an opportunity for them to get known by other professionals around the state. And while the focus is teaching the CDU, of course, you're also teaching how we do it at our center.
0: Right. Very smart. Okay. Um, so you've got, you know, all these different channels that you're using to connect with people, you know, what would you say is a good percentage that actually attend the event? So if I do a hundred, you know, I send out a hundred emails to a group of nurses, you know, what would you expect your attendance to be?
1: Well, the the email thing is a little bit touchy. Um, it's, we usually judge more by the RSVPs we get. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you can expect usually 80% of those who actually take time to RSVP to show up.
0: Okay. And then, do you know, any kind of numbers around how many people you're reaching out to, whether it's email or other channels? So we reached out to so many people and we got this many RSVPs, for example.
1: You know, um, I would have to defer to our marketing staff for that. I'm not sure how many they actually send out. Um, in part because, you know, email doesn't cost anything.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you know why I usually tell clients is that your your goal, and that it's a good goal, would be thirty percent of people that you reach out to in the area. You know, it's reasonable that they come. Um, would actually respond, that seems right. yeah. And mm-hmm. then you know your eighty percent of people that said they're coming actually show up. This is another good number. So it's very important, I think, for a lot of people to understand if you're inviting a ton of people. If I invite a hundred people, I'll on a good day or good whatever event, I'll get 30 people that'll RSVP. And then out of those 30 people, you know, I'll have 25 show up. Um, so it becomes a numbers piece in that to make sure you have enough people you're reaching out to to have a strong event attendance. Don't invite 25 and expect 25 to show up, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's exactly, that probably doesn't work that way.
0: <laughs> and then you mentioned Constant Contact is your email client. Um, so I'm just curious, do you guys segment your list? Do you have a list of lawyers and a list of nurses and a list of physicians? Or do you just put all your professionals together?
1: Oh, well, we do segment it. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And specifically other treatment providers versus, you know, physicians or healthcare providers or, you know, community outreach folks. We have a separate list for fundraising, of course, since mm-hmm. we're a nonprofit.
0: That's awesome. So I find sometimes when you go into centers, I shouldn't say sometimes, fairly often, um, they don't have segmented lists. And so they're blasting everyone all the time with the same information. And it's really, sorry, it's really annoying for a lot of people, right? Because if I'm a lawyer, I don't care about your CEU event for nurses, right? Doesn't interest me. And so if I constantly open these emails and you have CEU events for everyone else but me, I'm gonna stop opening your emails. And then when you do send the lawyer one, I won't read it, right? so they lost track,
1: right Mm -hmm. so
0: you have to have them in different audiences different segmented lists and then send the appropriate message you know to the appropriate group so that they do maintain interest and keep opening them um and always just you know i think something i like that they're out there is make sure it's about them right like i see some centers where they'll constantly advertise like new staff that they have or something else going on well i might know want to know a little bit about your center but really i just want to know how you're going to benefit me (laughs) so exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. Keep your focus on the audience. That's much more important. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, okay. So you gave us some advice on running some smooth events and setting up smooth events. Um, Any kind of different uh, things that you haven't covered so far that you might want to give as a recommendation to people just doing this for the first time?
1: Um, You know, it, you have to be careful with your budget. You can get a big name person, somebody who's, you know, published, He's an author, and you, you know, the thinking is that this will attract more people. Mm. That's not necessarily the case. Um, just because it's a big name is not a guarantee of attendance, and your return on investment, you know, you have to be careful with that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah. I mean, I know people that will charge $15,000 to speak, so... <laughs> yes, yes, Probably not going to make that That bad. is
1: out there, and... Uh. Uh, Not uncommon and for certain events, you know, if if you have that kind of a marketing budget go for it
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. If you're running like a big conference or something it might be worthwhile Uh, So okay, the event goes amazing because you did all this preparation You segmented your list and you reached out to people you did your preparation and planning What about follow-up? Do you have a particular follow-up process in place, you know after everyone has attended?
1: Um the follow up really is accomplished in the um surveys um the you know the feedback that you get immediately will let you know you know what they thought how it went um You can always ask people to renew if they would like additional emails about upcoming c u events. Mm-hmm. sometimes you know one counselor will have heard it heard about it through a friend they weren't actually on your mailing list so it's always good to be able to update your email addresses and that sort of thing during the actual event. Okay. And
0: then how do people actually claim their CEUs after the event?
1: Well, um, there's two ways that's most commonly done. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of getting the certificates ready to hand out at the end of the event. So that when a participant turns in their survey, you hand them a certificate. Um, I've also seen it where um, the certificates are emailed later, um, and the email can be another follow-up opportunity.
0: Okay. So you're sending them their certificates. Now, are you having to print these from a specific location? Do you make the certificate yourself? Is there like a, a guideline, or do you have to use a form from the agency?
1: you don't have to use any particular form. Um, once you have the certification, they will give you a number that will identify you as the provider okay. and you simply include that on the certificate. So, um, any certificate paper that you would normally purchase from your office supply company, um, would suffice, you know, it's nice to make it look good and all that kind of stuff, but.
0: Right. Okay. And then, to make sure that they get their CEU. Now, do you have to follow up at all and say, hey, I ran this event and I log it here, or is it just they have their piece of paper and then they go back and they log it where they need to log it?
1: They take care of it completely from that point. Now, with larger events, I should say that um, monitoring them to a certain extent um, can be prudent. You don't want somebody walking in at the last five minutes and claiming the full three uh, hours of the CEU. Sure. Um, that kind of stuff. but. Usually we run on an honor system.
0: Okay. And is there a time requirement? Do you have to run an hour long training, for example, or are there any Yeah, you know, requirements?
1: No, there's, there's no specific requirements. Um, the only requirements would be like for the licensure. Um, so chemical dependency counselors here in Texas need three hours of ethics and they need six hours of things like hepatitis C and HIV. So that's, um, a requirement specific to their licensure. Mm. But each class could be an hour, could be eight hours, whatever you would like to set up.
0: Okay. And so you would then put that on the certification that they got, or certificate that they got at the end of the class or course, saying you know, two hours yeah. completed, you know, five It hours. would just
1: be put in there. And, you know, these are your standard 50-minute hours, so you can take a break. One thing to remember with the CEU classes and any other lecture that – you know, the brain can only absorb what the behind can endure. So you don't want them sitting too long. <laughs>
0: I've never heard it said that way before. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, David, fantastic. This has been wonderful information that I know will help out a lot of people um, that have been kind of having questions around this. Oh, I did have one last question. Um, I know that there's an... an there's a website out there. I, can, I never remember the name. It's like ceucontinueducation.com or .org or something. I don't know. Are you familiar with it? Or I know that there are centers that run their CEU events through that.
1: There's several dozen different um, websites, um, even Medscape and Public Med um, for nurses and doctors. They can read an article submit a questionnaire and get a half hour of C use for doing that. Um, Certain uh, I know Texas through the department of state health, they have some stuff online. Um, there are some companies, um, that run strictly online. Um, Brown university has some set up specifically for chemical dependency counselors. Um, Texas Christian University it, there's a lot out there okay. which is one reason that conference attendance has been going down over the last few years so much of it it's available online and you know they can do it at home from their pajamas and um, so making a cu event more attractive is helpful
0: yeah no that don't make sense hence the food <laughs>
1: yes hence um, the food.
0: oh that was it, it was, it was ce classes.com that was the website have you ever oh, used
1: that okay I haven't used that one, okay. but I'll have to look it up. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, again, I really appreciate it. Fantastic information, David, any final thoughts, or if people want to get in touch with you or Austin recovery, um, how would they do that?
1: Well, our website's probably the best way to get in touch with Austin recovery. Um, simply AustinRecovery.org. Um, my email dhawk at Austin Um, that's usually the best way to get me, and I, I'm pretty responsive on the email. So okay. if there's any additional questions or anything I can help with, please let me know.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and for our listeners out there, Hulk. it's the Hulk, D-H-O-U-K-E. Um, That's I correct. Yeah, it. I probably
1: should have spelled that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: so all right. They'll see the name on the podcast image and title and everything, so it'll be all right.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. So
0: I just want to thank everyone for listening. As always, uh, this is a Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. As always, we're also brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in growth and scalable business solutions for addiction treatment centers and behavioral health. You can find the Recovery Executive Podcast basically anywhere that podcasts are found tune in, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. You can listen in your car, live streaming, or download it straight to your phone. Thank you guys so much. We hope you have a wonderful day and speak to you next time.